Well, we start a new sermon series today, and it's about our fears. What are you afraid of? If I had to ask you to write on your connections card, which you've already given away, so it's a safe question, what would you write on there? My fears today, as I'm sitting here, here's what I'm afraid of. The interesting thing is we don't fear the same thing, but most of us in general have our fears. They might look very different. Some of us are afraid of spiders and some of us are afraid of mice. Some of us are afraid of all kinds of things. Some of us are afraid of questions about our health. For some, it's some issue in the family. For you, maybe it's a job and something going on at work or whether your job will even be there or the person over you, or the person under you, or the person beside you, and what are you going to do with them? For some, it's money. For some, it's the news. It might be news of our own country, and our politics, and our government, and how Washington is functioning, or not functioning. Or maybe it's a bigger picture of other countries who have nuclear weapons. And rulers and leaders that we don't even begin to understand and wonder how their heads work. And the hatred and the killing and the terrorism, the genocide, and we just worry about our world. A lot of different reasons to fear. I think we need to understand what is fear? Where does it come from? This fear that we have... But sometimes we never stop and think, well, why? Where, where does this come from? Well, I think our fears come from even a possibility of harm that might come to us. This might happen and therefore this would come to me or someone I love. Or a fear of loss, not just harm, but someone might die. And there's that fear of loss, of death. Sometimes it's separation. Relationships breaking apart, and how is, how is life going to function without this? What drives us to be afraid is because we realize we don't know the future. We want to. We want somebody to tell us. We, we, we want a plan. We want a calendar. We want to know the future. But as much, as hard as we try, none of us can know tomorrow. Just like that tragic wreck George referenced in his communion meditation. Was it 15 in a family coming from or to Disneyland, Disney World? Drunk driver hits him in the back. How can you know that tomorrow? And so that's scary. And we don't even know what all's going on. What's really going on out there? What's going on with the government or with somebody else's government or the terrorists? And we don't know. And that's scary. And we realize we can't control events. We can't control other people. Sometimes we realize we can't even control ourselves. And all of that lack of control scares us. Because we can't control it and we can't fix it. And so we become afraid. 
and we rehearse our fears, especially in the middle of the night. How many of you will wake up thinking in the middle of the night with your fears? Gosh, I'm the only one. That's amazing. But it does, it scares us, doesn't us? And we think about it because we're afraid. And unfortunately, as we think, it's like it grows. The more we think about it, the bigger it becomes. Because we think of, well, that could also lead to this, and then that could lead to this. And suddenly this little fear becomes this huge terror in the night. We become anxious. And when we become anxious, it affects us. It affects us physically. We get ulcers. We get high blood pressure. But spiritually, it affects us as well. Because we lose our joy. We lose our sense of peace. That God's got this. I'm okay. God's on his throne. We we lose sight of that. We forget that. Somehow that sort of fades into the fog and we don't see that. And instead, we worry, and we worry long enough, we become angry, or we become depressed. We're not the only ones who face this. We all have our fears, and that's part of what this sermon series is going to look at. For four or five weeks, we're going to look at what are the fears that keep us up at night? Because what I want to help you see is that God has an answer for these fears. And there are Christians who have major issues in their life who have still found peace and contentment and joy, even though they're facing things that we would be terrified of. But it doesn't have to be that way. And we're not the only ones. Psalm 22. David is very candid. He is a great man of God, a great man of faith, but he too struggled with fear. I think you'll relate to some of this. At this point, he's crying out to God. And he says, God, do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. Now, most commentators think David isn't talking about literal bulls and literal lions. What he's talking about, his enemies are so close to him and so ferocious, it's like A stampede of bulls is going to trample him and lions are going to devour him. That's what his enemies are like. And that's how scared he is of them. And the result, 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, a broken piece of pottery in the dust. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth You lay me in the dust of death. Probably probably some of us sitting here today could say with David, Yeah, 
yeah, I feel like my bones are out of joint. My, my heart is melted within me. I am so anxious. I am so f- afraid. But notice where David begins. Oh God, do not be far from me because of this. David knows there's only one place he can find hope, an answer for his fears, and that's in God. He is not going to be able, even though he was king, to suddenly take control and fix it all himself. He knows that won't work. He knows that he is suddenly not going to have all power. He's suddenly not going to have all the answers for an unknown tomorrow. But God can. And so that's why David prays this honest prayer. God, this is, I am this afraid. Please, God, don't be far from me. He knew he needed God's help. And that's the promise that underlies all of this series, and that is that God offers to be with us when we're in times that bring fear to us. That God cares about us. And I am so thankful that every Sunday we have communion at this church. Because every Sunday we hold in our hands a piece of bread and a a cup of juice to remind us how much God cares for us. And there are times that all of us get so consumed with our fears or things aren't going right that we start, no, Satan starts to whisper in our ears, God doesn't care about you. God doesn't even notice you. God isn't listening. He's not going to come through for you. And we start to believe that because our fears are that big in front of us. And then Sunday comes. And if we have enough courage to come out and come to church and we have communion and we hold that bread and we hold that juice and we are reminded he does care. He cared enough to have Jesus die for us. God does care about me, about you, whatever you're facing. And he does understand. He came to earth as Jesus and he lived in this broken world with pain and suffering and illness and death and unfaithful people and hateful people. And twisted and evil people, he came and lived in this world. And when we confess to him our pain, our struggle, what we're facing, he nods his head and he says, I understand. And sometimes that's one of the greatest things we need. Someone who is always there that we can talk to, who will listen, who has time, and who says, I understand. And that's our God. And the really good news is that he's willing to help. I realized as I was going over this sermon early this morning, there's some scriptures in this four or five weeks that we need to put in our heads because we're not always going to have a Bible around even with our smartphones. We need instant access. And one of them is this next passage, and that's Philippians 4. 
If you don't memorize hardly any scriptures, this is one I want to urge you to memorize. It is such an important directive from Paul who faced all kinds of fears himself. He begins, do not be anxious about anything. That fear, that my heart has melted like wax. I'm awake at night thinking. That's anxious. And Paul says, we don't have to be anxious about anything. And if you're like me, the first time you hear that, say, oh yeah, good luck with that. Paul didn't know my fears. Paul didn't know what I'm facing, but he's right. Our God is a God who is capable of giving us an answer to our fears no matter where they're coming from. Paul says, don't be anxious. Instead, this is what you do. But in every situation, whatever you're facing, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What did David say? He went to God. Be not far from me. David knew his help, his solution was in God. That's what Paul found 1,500 years later, 1,000 years later. Come to God, talk to Him, prayer and petition, lay it out for God, ask for His help with thanksgiving. And that's a key to that verse. Please catch that little phrase. Because what? How's that fit in there? Well, as I'm laying out for God what I'm currently terrified for, of, there's that admonition of Paul. Now, take a second, get a little perspective. Remember last year? You were afraid then. What did God do? Oh, he did take care of that. Thank you, God. And that friend of yours who six months ago was facing that and we all were praying, what? God came through. Thanksgiving. You see, the Thanksgiving part helps us remember how God has worked in the past and how great God is and his power and Jesus dying on the cross. And as we thank him for all of that, our problems shrink. I don't say they go away, but we get things back in perspective. And then we lay our needs in front of God, just like David did. And what does Paul say? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, your feelings, and your minds in Christ Jesus. If I am in Christ, I am going to be reminded how much He cares for me, that I am in His arms, His hands, that nothing can take me out of His hands, His arms. And I can start to find a peace that defies human logic. What Paul says, a person without faith who lives beside you in the neighborhood or works beside you and finds you having peace despite your diagnosis or despite what has just happened or despite what you're facing and you're going to say, you know, I know it's going to be okay. I know God's going to take care of this. And they're going to look at you and say, are you crazy? And you're practically answering, yep, yeah, you might think so. But I'm not crazy. I just know who's on my side. I just know that I'm in God's hands. 
and I've seen what God can do with thanksgiving, and I'm resting in Him. And that's how I can find peace in any situation. Remembering all He's done. But that doesn't make it mean we don't have fears. And so I want to talk about some specific fears. What we've said so far applies to every Sunday of this series. We will find our peace in God. And there's nothing I can give you as a something to say or a book to read that can give you peace on your own in any situation. I don't know how you'd have that. And I want to say to you as a pastor who's done a lot of funerals, there's night and day difference in funerals where there's faith. You come with me and go with a family through a funeral process that has faith, and there's sorrow and there's tears. They're they're losing touch with a loved one. But there is also peace. And you come walk with me with a family that doesn't have faith. And you will see a lack of peace. And terrible sorrow. And a sense of hopeless, out of control life. Because they don't have God to lean on. That's what he offers us. The fear I want to talk about today is tomorrow. Because I think that's one of our biggest fears. Um, You remember in in Matthew, well, in I think three of the four Gospels, Jesus' story about the four four soils is there. I think I put in the notes Matthew 13. But he's talking about the four soils, and, and he says there's one soil, it's got these thorns that grow up and they choke out the seed. And that seed, he says, is two things. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. I want to focus on that first phrase. What is it that chokes out the word? The worries of this life. Tomorrow. When I ask you in the beginning, what would you write on the connections card for your fears? A lot of those fears would probably have to do with tomorrow. Not 10 years from now. It's just tomorrow. It's this week. It's getting through what lies right ahead. It's those things we talked about, our jobs, our finances. Maybe it's our health. Maybe it's some relationships, some conflict that's going on. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's our parents. Maybe it's the news. How many of us have said, I think I'm going to quit listening to the news. All I do is worry about tomorrow. There's a lot to be worried about tomorrow. And like what I've always already said, our problem with tomorrow is we can't control it. There it is. And we don't know what's coming. And that's our problem. There's not one person in government I can control. I can't control the head of North Korea or Iran or Al-Qaeda. I can't control my boss. I can't control my neighbor. I can't control much at all. 
and we don't know about the future. And there are so many question marks about the future, we get anxious. And I think especially true today in most of history, yesterday is a relatively good predictor of tomorrow. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. We don't live in that right now. But in general, the last week is a pretty good idea of what the next week's going to be like. If things have been going well, they're probably going to keep going well. If I've been having a problem, I'm probably still working on it. But last week is a usually good predictor about the future. Not now. We're living in an especially chaotic era, period, when it's like every week, it's like, what's going to happen this week? And we don't know. And that makes it more fearful, more unsettling. Jesus spoke directly to this when we get worried about tomorrow. It's a long passage, but I want you to go there with me. Matthew 6. And I want us to work through it. We're going to stop and talk and then read a little bit more. Jesus just says some great stuff here about our worries about tomorrow. He'll talk about a couple fears and then each one. He'll talk about why we don't need to be so afraid. Therefore I tell you, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? That's sort of his general statement. And then he uses an example. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now stop there. Jesus really gives us two reasons to not worry. First of all, he talks about all the stuff we need to live. And sometimes that's a lot of our worries. I just need, I need this food. I need clothes. I need a roof over my head. I need some basic stuff to live here, and I'm worried about it because I'm not sure it's there. I don't know for sure it's going to be there. And I can't control everything, so I know it's going to be there. And because of what I can't do, I end up being afraid. And so what Jesus says, okay, look at how God takes care of nature. All the animals, all the birds, all that, how many of them are running out for next week? And I know some of you analytical types are going to sit there and say, well, there are some things that starve in winter. Yes, that's a true statement. But that is also part of how God keeps nature in balance. But in general, the principle is enough of the birds do come up with food, so we have birds and deer, etc. God provides for what they need, and they don't have to worry. And what Jesus says there is, if God is that thoughtful, that careful for just a bird, just a deer... Some of you wish he'd be less careful with some of those deer in your flowers. He uses your flowers to provide, see? You didn't know God was using you for good. Jesus says, if, if God can take care of them and think of how many of them there are around the planet, you think he can't take care of you? And of course, he adds that reassurance, and you are so much more valuable to God than them. 
So don't ever think he's not going to notice and not going to provide. And then Jesus sort of throws that zinger in in verse 27. Besides, is all that worrying helping you? How's that working for you, as our current phrase goes? Jesus said, is all that worrying that you're doing really helping? And of course, we all know it's not. So he basically says, stop it. You don't need to. God's got it. And it's not helping anyway. But he's not done. So then he goes and says, okay, let's look at this again. Another example, verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Another example from nature. I like this one because I love flowers. I love to go to the St. Paul Conservatory. And I see these flowers that are absolutely incredible. And if you don't go so fast and you just stop and you look at some of these flowers, it is, it is mind-blowing. The beauty, the color, the different shapes, all the variety, and it's just like, wow, Jesus is right. You can look at anybody that a human-made costume has or a, a gold-plated room or whatever, and then you look at a field. One of the treats Peggy and I had was to go to Holland for the Tulip Festival. And we walked through there. They have, a, smartly, a national park that's nothing but tulips. And there were tulips in bloom as far as you could see. It's one of the most beautiful, thing, beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Just fields of these brilliant tulips. And Jesus said, now, the God who did that is for you. The God who did that died for you. He loves you. You think he's not going to take care of you? You don't need to worry. He's got you covered. He's on your side. So verse 31, so don't worry. You don't need to worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father already knows you need them. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these other things, they'll be given to you as well. What Jesus is saying is, don't Spend all your energy worrying about what you can't control anyway. You have a heavenly Father who can provide and who does care for you. Who has asked His Son to die for you. He has the numbers of your hairs numbered. He knows you that well. He will take care of you. Keep your eyes on Him. Focus on Him. That's where you'll find your peace, not in focusing on our problems. That's how we handle the fears that keep us up at night when it's, what about tomorrow? Catch yourself 
Ask yourself, what are you looking at? What are you focused on? Our God does know the future, and He can control the future. And He has unlimited resources to provide for us. We can find peace in Him. At the end notes, I add John 16, 33. I think I have it. Jesus says, I've told you these things. In me, you have peace. In this world, we're going to have trouble. He's warned us. Life isn't going to work perfectly for us. But he says, take heart. It's okay. I have overcome the world. In me, you can find peace. That's what he offers us. Whatever we're facing, our God is greater. We sang that earlier. Our God is greater. We can find our peace in him. Let's pray. Father, this life has lots of things to make us afraid because they remind us of how little power we have how little we can control, and we don't have a clue about tomorrow. But Father, we are so thankful for the peace you offer us in you. Help us look to you, to seek you and your kingdom, so that all these worries recede away. Let us find our peace in you. In Jesus' name, amen.